If you would, take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to begin reading in, with, in a few moments with verse 5. Can you imagine for a moment what heaven must be like? Can you imagine the beauty of it, the, the, the wonder of it? Can, can you imagine what it would feel like to be in heaven, to, to think, wow, I'm a part of this. I'm safe. I, I'm secure. Can you imagine what it would be like to, to meet people that you know and you love and you share time with them? Can, can you imagine to be in a place where you know, there, there's no more sorrow, no more tears, no more crying, no more death. Can you imagine being in a place where God is worshipped in all of His glory and Christ Jesus is adored? Can you imagine what it must be like to be in heaven? And then imagine what if you were asked to leave? We're going to read a passage of Scripture which reminds us that Jesus left heaven and he did it voluntarily. Let's look. Philippians chapter 2, begin with verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, our God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Today we're going to do something a little different. Instead of just me preaching the sermon, we're going to let the Bible preach the sermon. And we're going to look at several different passages of Scripture that, as we look at these verses again, expand on them and help explain them. And uh, help me do this, I've asked Sherry and Tim to work with me on this. So pay attention, listen closely, and listen as God's Word speaks to you. Now, look back at verse 6, and it's going to say something about Christ Jesus. It's going to say that He is God with us. For it says, Who, being in very nature God. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Matthew, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. As an adult, Jesus made it plain he understood that he was God with us. In John, it says Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, and the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. 
Take note of this exchange between Jesus and the Pharisees and John. Who are you? they asked. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Jesus let his disciples know who he was as well. Jesus answered and said, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been with you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Paul knew who Jesus was. He wrote in Colossians, For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him. So did the writer to the Hebrews. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. This passage tells us something else. In verse 6 and 7, it says, Christ did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, being made in human likeness. Christ Jesus made human. Again in John it says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory as of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And Luke, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. Hebrews tells us, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. John the disciple literally knew firsthand that Jesus was human. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked at with our hands and have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. John went on to say, In 1 John, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. Jesus experienced all that we experience. He was tired. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. He was thirsty. 
When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? He was hungry. Early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Jesus also experienced human emotions. He even got angry. In Mark, it says he looked around at them in anger, and he was deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. As he stretched it out, his hand was completely restored. He felt compassion. Matthew says when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. We know he experienced grief. At the tomb of Lazarus, it says Jesus wept. Jesus made human. Christ Jesus, a servant, says in verse 7, taking the very nature of a servant. In Matthew, aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place, and a large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. After washing the disciples' feet, which was a task for a slave, Jesus said, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Jesus came to serve. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Christ Jesus was obedient. In verse 8 it says, He humbled himself and became obedient. As Jesus' crucifixion drew near, Jesus was troubled, but he was determined to obey. John says, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Jesus was determined to obey God, but it wasn't easy as he faced the cross. In Luke, he recorded... Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. And then he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, and he knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Christ Jesus was obedient. And so he was crucified. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
Mark 15. They brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it, and they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, Come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cries out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lami shabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran and filled a sponge with wine vinegar and put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. Jesus died in fulfillment of prophecy. We read in Isaiah, Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Now look at verse 9. Notice that it starts with the word, therefore. Therefore. Because Jesus didn't count equality with God as something to be held on to. Because he was willing to leave heaven. Because he was willing to come human. Because he was willing to be a servant. Because he was willing to humble himself and become obedient unto death. Therefore. Therefore, we have Jesus Christ exalted. God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus now has all authority. In Matthew we read, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And Jesus has been exalted, as Simon Peter said in Acts. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. 
exalted to the right hand of God, he received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Jesus was raised from the dead as the scriptures predicted. 1 Corinthians. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Jesus has been raised and exalted. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Because Jesus suffered death, he is now exalted. Hebrews. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. This living, exalted Jesus is going to come again. Immediately after the stress of those days, the sun will darken and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Jesus will rule over all. In Revelation it says, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like a blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns, and he has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is, on, is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. And coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule with them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has the name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Think again what this passage says about Christ Jesus. He is God with us. He was made human. He was a servant. He was obedient. He was crucified. He is exalted. Some conclusions? As we think back about this passage and what the Word of God says about it, Jesus is the Savior. Who else has left heaven to come to earth? Who else is God in human flesh? Who else died as a divine sacrifice to pay for the sins of humanity? Who else but Jesus? He is the one 
whose sacrifice makes it possible for our sins to be forgiven. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is something else. Jesus is the Lord. He is the one who rules over all. Who else has been raised from the dead? Who else has been exalted to the right hand of God? Who else is going to return in power and glory? Only Jesus. He is King, King of kings, Lord of lords, Lord over all. Jesus. We're to have the attitude of Jesus. That's how this passage starts. Did you catch it? Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. What was his attitude? Willingness to leave the comfort and security of heaven. Willingness to come down where we live. Willingness to be a servant among us. Willingness to die for us. Because of that, he is exalted. Because of that, he is Lord. Because of that, He has the highest place given by God Himself. Do you remember what Jesus said? He who exalts Himself will be humbled, but he who humbles Himself will be exalted. It worked out just that way in Jesus' life and as His followers. We're to let it work out that way in our lives as well. And doesn't that attitude make a tremendous difference in how we treat each other and how we treat all of the people around us? And then we are to share Jesus. If He is the Savior and the Lord, then we need to make Him known. How are people going to know if we don't tell them it's written in Romans chapter 10. How then can they call on one they've not believed in? And how can believe, believe in the one of whom they have not heard? They've got to hear. And it's our responsibility to tell them. We're having every believer a witness so that you can learn how to tell. Remember what the man said? You don't have to memorize scripture. You don't have to memorize a presentation. They're going to make it simple for us. But it gives us the opportunity to make this Jesus, who is Savior and Lord, known to others. We enjoy His blessings now and for eternity. Let's learn how we can share them with other people.